welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So let's think about student profiles. Now on this podcast, I'm covering content for both parents and families as well as professionals and I wanted to focus a few on helping us to recognise and understand specific profiles we might recognise in our students. So this might be a profile which summarises your student to seem fidgety or seem like they distract themselves easily, or seem noisy, or maybe they are someone who dazes quite often. And these sensory profiles of a student are really important for us to understand so that then when we're teaching them, we can ensure that we're providing the right style of learning to meet their needs. Now, finding the right style of learning isn't any more difficult than what teachers and teaching professionals are already doing. You're already supporting a huge range of different learning styles within your classroom. And if you can understand some of your students with sensory needs in a slightly different way, then you'll realise actually the work that you've already created can be used to support their needs as well. So, I'm going to do the next few series of podcasts looking at different student profiles that we might come across. So I'm going to specifically focus on fidgety students, on students that might seem dazed or maybe even bored in a classroom, as well as our noisy students. If you want to learn any more about understanding student profiles and um, creating a sensory profile or a sensory plan for your students then why not have a look at some of our online training because we've got a specific course that does focus on this and then you can personalize the way that you're teaching your students. So with us needing to understand student profiles we need to go back to that detective work and that detective work is really understanding why a student might be doing the thing that they are doing and this thing that i refer to in all of the work that i do in educating about sensory processing disorder is what i refer to as their characteristics so someone's sensory characteristics are the things that that person needs to do in order to regulate and when we're regulated we feel great we are able to concentrate we're able to focus we're able to take in instructions we're able to try new things If we're finding it difficult to regulate, we won't feel great, we won't feel confident. And so you may notice as a student that I'm trying to do something to try and feel in control. And this is probably the most common characteristic amongst people with sensory processing difficulties is that need to feel in control. 
If someone has sensory processing disorder, imagine your day being so spontaneous. You have um, tactile input from the clothes that you're wearing, which every now and then really does bother you. It gets in the way. Maybe it feels like needles on your skin. Maybe it's just really itchy, really scratchy. And there's nothing you can do to remove it apart from take all your clothes off. When we're thinking about how spontaneous our days are and also thinking about how we need to constantly feel in control of what we're processing, the sensory input that we're receiving and how we're understanding it, you can see why for people with sensory processing difficulties, they will want to feel in control because if they're not feeling in control, there's another aspect of their day which is spontaneous. When we're not in control, we all feel anxious, we all feel uneasy, we all might find it difficult to know how to respond to a certain situation because primarily for all of us, we put ourselves first. So you may notice that your child or your student will just refuse to go into a certain space and that refusal can be based on a past experience. So last time they went in there, it was really noisy or it was really smelly or they had to sit next to someone and they found that too close in their personal space. Or it may be based on the fact that that environment is a whole new experience. And so then there's so many different uncertainties that there could possibly be. For that person to be able to feel okay about going into that environment they need something in order to support themselves and that's when we might recognize some of these coping strategies some of these ways of being able to regulate themselves so it might be when they walk into a new space they are jumping or they're flickering something or they're chewing on something because that sensory characteristic is what's helping them to feel regulated, feeling in control of what is happening, what they're doing. Now as a parent you may notice that that can fluctuate. You might go to a shopping centre one week and your child is able to manage that and you may go the next week and actually there's blank refusal before you even leave home or even get out of the car. Now, this again can be based on so many different reasons, but if we're just thinking about the sensory element of it, think about that child on that specific day. Has anything else changed? Are they more sensitive to sound? Are they more sensitive to smell? Have they had um, a meal which they didn't enjoy? All of these slight changes and differences can then mean that they feel less in control which can then mean to go to an environment where they may well then feel overwhelmed and out of control like a shopping center where it's very busy very noisy and we can't control all the busyness and the noise their way of supporting themselves is by actually just telling themselves no i'm not going and they're not going because they're worried about how their body is going to respond to the unpredictability of the sensory input. So this is exactly the same as our students. We know each of us wake up every day in a different mood. We may have slept really, really well. And so we are ready. We're fighting fit for the day. 
We may have had a really bad sleep, which can mean that I've woken up grumpy. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't really want to get dressed. I don't really want to follow instructions. However, I am doing it. And for other people, it may just be that actually I'm really unsure what's going to be happening today. And so I'm feeling a bit anxious. And so what I'm going to do are the things that are familiar to me that can support myself. So I'm going to wear my most comfiest clothes. I'm going to wear a certain perfume or I'm going to eat certain food. Because those things I can be in control of and I can keep consistent. So our students, every single day, they're going to wake up and be in different moods, just like you or I. You and I are probably able to support ourselves, to help ourselves be aware of how we are feeling that day, so that then we can rationalise it a bit better, or maybe we can adapt to the unpredictability and prepare ourselves for, right, I'm going to the shop, but I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm okay with that. But if we were someone who was incredibly sensitive to sounds, so the unpredictability of sound can be incredibly painful for some people who are hypersensitive to sound. So this might be someone who covers their ears a lot of the time or wears headphones or ear defenders or puts their fingers in their ears. Or they may be someone that repeats things, sentences, songs, stories, words repetitively or even loudly. Now, all of those different characteristics can still summarise to be relating to someone who is hypersensitive to sound. But like I've just shared, there's lots of different ways that we might then recognise those characteristics for that person. So someone might be really noisy or someone might be sitting there quietly with their fingers over their, in their ears or hands over their ears ready to block out the sound when it's too much. So we have to have a really good relationship with our students. We have to have a good understanding of their learning, of their relationships with people. But also, we can't just expect that as soon as a student has come into our class, that we are able to just start teaching them straight away. We must build up that relationship and we must learn about them as a person, their sensory needs as a person and how they learn best. So this is why looking at student profiles is then going to open up so many windows for you to find the right way to access the learning for your students. So, like I said, I'm going to be talking about fidgety students. I'm going to be talking about dazed or bored students. Now, what teacher wants to know that their students are bored? However, it's so common when I go into classrooms that some of the characteristics I'm observing are because that student isn't being stimulated enough. So they're not being given the work that really does push them and drive them and challenge them. They're being given work, yes, that might be similar to the other learning levels in their class. However, in that particular subject, they may be able to do more. In a similar way, some people we may recognise characteristics, especially when they're finding things difficult or finding it hard to understand what their responsibility is, what they're expected to do or to complete. So, 
if we understand someone's sensory profile better, we're going to be able to provide the right level of education for them. So we know that there's lots of different learning styles. There's kinesthetic learning, so hands-on, practical, making, doing learning. So when we're counting, we might be counting with blocks or bricks. Or when we're teaching about shapes, we might be making those shapes with something. So we're using the physical learning to reinforce our understanding of what that is. We have visual learners. So visual learners will engage, will understand and thrive through their visual channels. So that might be books, it might be videos, it might be writing things, letters, numbers, shapes. Very visual. Another way of learning is auditory. So through auditory channels, so listening to readings, listening to stories and for someone who's an auditory learner, it doesn't mean that they have to be visually engaging on that person or that object at the same time. We do know that for some people with sensory processing difficulties, they find it difficult to channel more than one sensory input at a time. So for some people who learn through their auditory channel, they will find it very difficult to also be staring or looking at the teacher or the video at the same time as taking in that auditory input because the visual will be distracting them from the sound that they're processing. So you can see it opens up a whole other world of understanding our students. So we've had kinesthetic, we've had visual, we've had auditory. There's also tactile ways of learning. So if you know someone who might have a visual impairment, we know that we teach about objects and shapes and numbers through feeling things. It might be different textures, it might be different objects. And when we're exploring the different ways, the different learning styles that people can have, it's really important to also think about, well, how do I currently teach that subject? So as a teacher, you might be starting to think, oh my goodness, this is so much more work that Becky's giving me to do because she's making me realise this student learns in this way, this student learns in this way. They're opposite ways of learning. However, I've created this lesson plan to be a very visual and auditory lesson. Now, come on. When we think about teaching, when I think about teaching when I'm in when I was back at school, all I think about is the times that I was sitting and listening to the teacher or the times that I was doing and I know that I am a kinesthetic learner, so by doing things I learn best. Now not everybody is the same, but for me, when I was doing art, when I was making things, when we had science, when we were out for a walk and looking at the plants and the animals, that's when I was learning the best. That's when that information really was retained for me. Whereas if I was sitting down and I had a book in front of me or we were listening to a video or a, a story, I'd find it very difficult to retain that information that I had learnt because it wasn't my most effective way of taking in that information. 
Now, you may or may not know your own learning style. You may know ways that you learn a bit better than other ways, which is great. But for our students, we do have to try things. So, yes, when you plan a lesson, can you think about how you can then teach that lesson in a visual way, in an auditory way, in a tactile way and in a kinesthetic way? It doesn't have to be a job, which means you are creating more work. So if you're doing numbers, if you're doing a topic, if you're doing a theme, think about the kinesthetic way of teaching them. So think about the way that you can teach them through doing. So numbers, it might be that they're building blocks. And those blocks you can also use in a visual way. You can also teach that in an auditory way because you're going to be teaching them. So it might be verbally or it might be listening to a story or something that is happening. And the same for tactile. So when you prepare a session, a class, you can break down everything that you've already got but for your different learners. It doesn't mean that you need to go and create a whole new wealth of work because you've already got it you've already planned it it's just about how can we slightly adapt what we've got to make sure that we've got a way of a kinesthetic student accessing that a tactile student accessing that a visual student accessing that and an auditory student accessing that once we then work out ways of teaching it you'll then feel so much more confident at presenting that learning for your class, but also you'll notice in your students, they'll naturally weave their way towards the type of learning which they thrive from. Now, part of school is about teaching other ways of learning. So I do fully understand that you want to expose your students to visual ways of learning and auditory ways of learning. However, we also need to make sure that we can support their specific needs. So if you've noticed that on that day your students come in and they are tired or they've had a really stressful morning or you can just tell they're not in a great mood. Maybe you want to boost their confidence. Maybe you want to help them to feel really good. And so provide them with some work in a learning style which suits their needs. So if they're a kinesthetic learner, give them some kinesthetic work to do. However, if you've noticed they've come in and they are full of it, they are happy, they are focused, they are, you know, engaging, maybe that's your opportunity to try and push, try and challenge, try and expose them to new ways of learning and doing things. Now, the whole of your class can get involved in this. So teachers, teaching assistants, parents, everyone involved in your students' learning can really help you to ensure that they are engaged and learning the best that they can. So like I said, this next series, I'm going to do another three or four podcasts relating to student profiles. And I'm going to specifically go into why we might recognise certain types of students. So first of all, we're going to start off with fidgety students, then we'll look at dazed or bored students, and then we'll look at students who are noisy. And I'm going to help us to break down why we might see these certain characteristics, so profiles for our students, what it means, but then also 
the learning style that we can use to help them to thrive and to help them to do the best that they can within your classroom environment. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.